Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Dan Snyder and the NFL have been put on notice, and this is only the beginning. The Falcons got washed out of Carolina on Thursday night, and we highlight some of the biggest matchups to watch out for Week 10 in the NFL season. I'm Kanani Stevens in for Peter Bukowski, and happy Veterans Day. Once again, we're talking Washington Commanders. Unfortunately, not a good reason necessarily to be talking about them. We bring in Locked On Commanders David Harrison because Big Bomb dropped today. Of course, a little bit of a preview of it yesterday. We had some idea that something was going to go down. But the Attorney General, basically for Washington, D.C., has filed a civil lawsuit against the Commanders, the NFL, Dan Snyder, of course, Roger Goodell, a lot of people, because of all of the deception that we've been dealing with in terms of this investigation, because obviously there's been a lot of issues with that franchise for several years, but this is kind of the latest thing on top of it. Is this finally the last straw at this point? Or is there still more that's going to come out? No, this isn't even close to the last straw, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I think what it is and and what we discussed on the Lockdown Commanders podcast is, it's at least a step forward in Dan Snyder and even the NFL and Roger Goodell being held accountable for what's been going on there. You know, um, again, everything is an, is an accusation, right? Until it's, it's proven in some sort of court of law or, or whatever uh, uh, mechanism that Congress has to try to, to bring all these things to light. So this is basically just Carl Racine, you know, the DC attorney general, his way of compelling the Washington commanders, the national football league, and then Dan Snyder, and Roger Goodell as the entities that represent those organizations to step forward and, and under oath and under subpoena of court, lay everything out on, on the table. Now, you know, there's going to be motions and, and, and all kinds of other things going on here, but uh, you know, it's at least, like I said, it's a step in the right direction. We'll see how much fruit it actually bears. Um, but you know, it's hard to believe, or it's hard not to believe that this at least has something to do with the recent developments that Dan and Tanya Snyder are at least entertaining offers for the franchise at this time. I mean, you can try to say it's all about football, but with stuff like this going on, it obviously is going to seep into what's going on within that organization. Um, there had been some rumors recently that the, the Snyders are looking into possibly selling the team. Is that, you know, should we get our hopes up again? Or is this, <laughs> is this a deflection or is this actually going to happen this time? So, uh, you know, the, the, the vibes that we're getting is that it's a sale, right? That's, that's okay. kind of whatever, you know, I know there's some people talking about maybe it's just trying to build up revenue for the stadium. They're selling a chunk, selling a chunk of it. Um, but I think everybody kind of gets the idea that it's a full on sale. And, and again, these types of lawsuits and then what's to come from some of the other investigations. And as things more kind of come out, you kind of get the feeling that uh, it's, it's, it's moving towards that final destination, how long it takes and, and, and all that is still to be determined, obviously. And then Jerry Jones, kind of his recent comments, he's been the biggest supporter of Dan Snyder. He was the one who essentially brought him into the league in the first place. Um, his recent comments kind of lend more credence to the fact that this is probably a full-blown sale. Um, and, and that's what everybody, you know, wants based on uh, what what has been going on and what's what this team is accused of. So that's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. The problem is right now you still don't know how long that tunnel is and how long it's going to take to get there. Obviously, I guess we'll touch on it a little bit as well. The the league and Roger Goodell kind of got lumped into this as well because yeah. after those, quote, independent investigations, we hadn't gotten a lot of information out of it. And right. they're alleging that Dan Snyder basically vetoed all that stuff and didn't allow it to go public. So what role has kind of the NFL played? Obviously, Roger Goodell doesn't have a ton of fans necessarily yeah. out there in the NFL anywhere, but um, to kind of covering this up. 
Yeah, in this consumer protection lawsuit, that's exactly what uh, AG Racine is basically accusing Roger Goodell and the NFL in connection of doing is helping the Washington commanders that once all this stuff was kind of discovered, helping them try to sweep it under the rug and keep it from seeing public eyes. And, you know, that in and of itself is a problem. And, and you know, I, I go back to when the congressional stuff kind of started and Roger, you know, agreed to testify in front of Congress and do all these things. And essentially the NFL basically said, look, this is all on Washington. Uh, but I said it back then that, you know, just because now that you've been outed for being, you know, complicit with the bad guy doesn't make you the hero in this case. And I think the NFL is very quickly trying to backpedal. And I think that the approach they're probably going to take uh, just from kind of reading the vibe of of the statements that have been put out on Thursday is that they're probably going to try to take the stance of we were tricked just like everybody else. Um, I don't believe that for a second, to be quite honest with you, but it's not what you believe mm -hmm. is what you can prove. I can't prove anything because I'm not an investigator, um, but just reading the way that everything is kind of being postured right now. I believe that's going to be basically be how the NFL does is say, look, we had questions. We asked those questions. They pr produced X, Y, Z documents that led us to believe one thing. We were tricked just like you were. We're not bad. We're on your side. Um, whether they get away with it or not is really going to be uh, the question. But I think either way, this whole thing is a black guy on the NFL. It's a black guy on Roger Goodell's record. Um, the owners already were not happy with him, and uh, it may not be Papa John's taking Roger Goodell down. It may have taken the DCAG uh, to actually take him down. But either way, uh, you know there are certain owners that we know already are going to be very happy to see Roger Goodell have to answer for some of his own actions. Stay up to date all year on the Washington Commanders by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Commanders podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube or wherever else that you get your podcasts from. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Falcons had a chance to take control of the NFC South, but they saw it slip away in a rain-soaked loss on Thursday night. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. The Seattle Seahawks travel to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Germany. Bet Online likes the Bucs by two and a half points. Los Angeles Rams host the Arizona Cardinals and our slight favorites. Even without Matthew Stafford, BetOnline likes the Rams by a point and a half on Sunday. And the Sunday night game features the biggest point spread of the day. BetOnline has the San Francisco 49ers as seven-point favorites over the Los Angeles Chargers. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The greatest basketball player on the planet avoided any serious damage, it seems. LeBron James left the Lakers game with the Clippers early due to a groin injury. The superstar got an MRI on Thursday that revealed no major damage and James is considered day-to-day -day per coach Darvin Ham. It's not torn, he says, that's the biggest thing and he didn't tear anything. So it was good news, you know, it sure is painful. Doubtful day-to-day, -day, whatever. I'm just happy there wasn't anything torn that comes from their head coach. There's a bit of a silver lining in the timing of this injury for LeBron. The Lakers play at home on Friday against the Kings and Sunday against the Brooklyn Nets. And then they don't play another game until Friday, November 18th against the Detroit Pistons. So James could take about eight days off to rehab his injury and miss only two games in the process. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver says he has no doubt that Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving is not anti-Semitic after the two had what Silver called, quote, a direct and candid conversation earlier this week at the league's headquarters. Silver, who is Jewish, discussed Irving in an interview with The New York Times on Thursday, two weeks after Irving made a controversial post that included an Amazon link to a film containing anti-Semitic ideas. Irving's post received massive backlash, of course, including the Nets suspending him for at least five games 
Nike co-founder Phil Knight announced on Thursday that the shoe company's relationship with Kyrie is likely severed for good. He's someone I've known for a decade, and I've never heard an anti-Semitic word from him or, frankly, hate directed at anyone. That's from Silver talking to The Times. The defense for Irving mounts as LeBron also came to defend him on record, saying that the treatment he's received by the league has been very harsh. Dallas Mavericks are not liking this road trip. They are on one single bit. They've dropped back-to-back games. Their most recent loss coming to the Washington Wizards. All right, let me check my script real quick. No, hold on. This can't be right. It's the, it's the exact same. No, this is the exact same that you gave me yesterday. I thought we made changes. I thought they were going to do something else. It was like something different. That is a... What? That doesn't make any sense. Why would the Dallas Mavericks go into Washington without Bradley Beal or Chris Osborzingas and find a way to lose? Nick Angster for the Lockdown Mavericks podcast here. And the Dallas Mavericks just did the same exact thing two days in a row. They go into Orlando without a bunch of their players and they lose. They go into Washington with some of their players and they lose. This team doesn't take these games seriously. Their defense doesn't ratchet up. And their offense is so predictable at times that you can just cut off passing lanes and it's just on Luka Doncic to be superhuman to beat you. And if Luka Doncic is bad, like he has been the last two games, then you don't win. The Vegas Golden Knights got a big road win over the Buffalo Sabres as they scored a touchdown. But, you know, it's hockey, so they scored seven goals. Jack Eichel nets the hat trick. Oh, my goodness. Folks, Chris Golick locked on Vegas Golden Knights here. The Vegas Golden Knights now have a nine-game winning streak. I'll say that again. A nine-game winning streak. I know everybody wants to hear about Jack Eichel's performance, and it was absolutely magnificent. He put the team on his back in the third. We had some hats on the ice, but the unsung hero of this game is Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy made the lineup change to uh, bring out Paul Cotter in place of Amadio, and as a result, the third line got on the board multiple times tonight. So everything is working right now for our Vegas Golden Knights. Folks, please uh, check out Locked on Vegas Gold Knights anywhere you get your podcast from. Your team every day. Here is another story you need to know. All right, we're recapping another Thursday night football that uh, did everything to disappoint pretty much. Arena and Jarvis Davis from Locked On Sports Atlanta. It was just, I mean, it was terrible. This division is hard to read in general, but this matchup was very bizarre today. To be honest with you, Kyle, like this is an easy read. This division is just terrible. It's awful. It's poopy, if I can say that word. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you know, if I can say a word that's not gonna get us, you know, kicked off this uh this show right now. But I think but the main thing is though, is that the big biggest issue for me is Marcus Mariota's play, the decision making. It just wasn't there. And I just and I've never and to be honest with you, I've never really seen that from him. Now we've seen it in spurts mm-hmm. throughout this season, right? Because I've come to the conclusion that Marcus Mariota is like the stock market. Sometimes it's gonna be up, sometimes it's gonna be down. You're just gonna have to ride the wave when it's bad and hope that it gets good. And most of the time it's been like that, right? We've seen good and bad from Marcus Mariota throughout this entire season. But I think that when you get to a point where, like you said, you're making high school quarterback decisions, you're running out running out of bounds on, on third and long and, and, and losing five, four to five yards that could potentially take you out of field goal range, mm-hmm. those are the type of mistakes that rookie quarterbacks make. So mm-hmm. I'm at the point now where, like, why don't, why don't you put in a rookie? 
Yeah, absolutely. And because there's some upside there because Mariota showed you exactly what he's going to be able to do on the best of days. When you see those plays where he's like, instead of taking a sack, he tries to throw it. And it like he's fortunate that it wasn't called an interception because he's just throwing a lame duck up there. It's ridiculous. So when you look at that, I mean, as a Falcons fan, obviously we knew they were kind of trying to do this little bridge maneuver situation. But at this point, do you, do you want to see the rook out there? Oh, it's time. It's definitely yeah. time. And, and I've been the guy that hasn't necessarily been calling for Marcus Mar I mean, calling for Desmond Ritter, but mm -hmm. I think that when you start to see the play, the decision-making, the things that veteran quarterbacks aren't supposed to make, they're not supposed to make those type of decisions. They're not supposed to make a decision to where you're, you're laying on your back, facing away from the defense, and you're just literally throwing the ball over your head in, in a reverse style and saying that, hey, somebody's open and they're going to catch the football. No, that just doesn't – it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't happen like that. And, and it kind of gives you a peek into as to why Marcus Mariota is on his third foot NFL football team. You know, he was drafted second overall, you know, for the Tennessee Titans. Arthur Smith was with him in Tennessee. He was with him when he was benched for Ryan Tannehill. So he has some – there's some familiarity there, but – you start to see a little growth in the beginning of the season, but as the the offense started to progress and it started to go along in the season and that film, because one thing in the NFL, Kai, once that film gets out on you yep. about how to stop you and how to, you know, uh, defend you, teams are going to copy it each and every week. And you can see it on the film, going through the film, at, uh, through these games. You see it every week. Teams are doing the exact same thing, and they're getting the exact same results. And I think that when you start to do things like that and there's nothing you can really do to save him, because Arthur Smith is a good play caller. I've always said mm -hmm. that. I think he's, he's a great schemer. He learns a lot of different formations. He doesn't put his quarterback in bad situations. Now I think it's time to move that, that, that skill set that he has as a play caller and keeping his quarterback safe. He needs to move those – Move that attention towards Desmond Ritter now because Marcus Mariota just ain't it. You know, as wild as like as terrible as that game was, and as much as we complain about Marcus Mariota, they could still very much win this division, which is just <laughs> insane, right? Yes, so I mean, because you look forward, and and the Bucks don't really have much. I mean, I know there's Tom Brady, but like they don't look like much of anything either. So, is it kind of go out to try to win it, or are you just trying to like develop the team and figure this out at this point for Atlanta? I, I I honestly believe that um, somebody I saw somebody tweeted out on Twitter that you know hey it's time to put Desmond Ritter in the game and I think that in my immediate response was like Arthur Smith don't want that smoke like when when you think about what comes with that all of the questioning like why is this guy coming in at this time and Arthur Smith doesn't like to be questioned <laughs> and I and I can say that because when you talk about egos and head coaches and offensive play callers as well all that combined those guys don't like those type of questions and I think that he will I think he'll roll with Marcus Mariota uh, for at least a couple more weeks because to be completely out of the competition for for the uh the NFC South and to be honest with you they could lose a couple more games and still be in it because Absolutely. you're talking about a, a four and seven team now in um uh in, in the uh, uh Carolina Panthers and now the, the Atlanta Falcons are four and six. So those are some of the things that you have to kind of really just take a look at and say, yeah, we still have a chance. So you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take I'm not gonna tank the season so to speak to to put in a rookie quarterback. You can stay up to date all year on the Atlanta Falcons and all things sports in Atlanta by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Atlanta on the Odyssey app, YouTube, 
or wherever else that you get your podcasts from. Coming up, we take a look at three important matchups this week in the NFL. Coming off a bye, the Pittsburgh Steelers are ready for the New Orleans Saints. Chris Carter, host of Locked on Steelers, looks at how the Steelers can attain that elusive victory. The Steelers have to do a few things. One, with TJ Watt's return and the return of DeMonte Casey, both supposed to be happening, the defense does have to rise to the occasion. But the biggest thing I think the defense needs to do in this game is stop Alvin Kamara. Make sure that he's not a factor. Uh, you, when you look at Andy Dalton and you look at the, at the Saints offense, you you look at a group that is that it, that runs through Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara, but Kamara especially. If you're able to limit him in the ground game and you limit him as, as a receiver for Dalton, it puts Dalton on, on notice and forces him to have to be a hero, and he's going to have to make more desperate throws, and that's when he starts to make his biggest mistakes. The other aspect of this, Kenny Pickett has to get back to seeing the field. He did earlier in the season for a couple for a little bit, but then eventually the, the waves of just other teams bringing it each week as it happens to most rookie quarterbacks started to be too much for him. The Steelers have to get him to avoid that. If they do those two things, I see them coming out with a victory 17, 13 Steelers over the saints Sunday at Acershire stadium. The Indianapolis Colts have had quite a week and not in a good way. Enter the Las Vegas Raiders locked on Colts host. Jake Arthur looks at how the Colts can rise above the turmoil and get a win for their new coach. The Colts are going to have to show up and show legitimately any sign of life on offense against the Raiders on Sunday. And if the defense lives up to its normal level of play, they might just get Jeff Saturday a win in his debut. And Zach, I mean, I wouldn't just say this about any team because I, I'm not even sure the Colts are going to win one or two more games this season. But the Raiders are in a tough spot. I mean, they just put Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller on IR today. Blake Martinez just retired. I mean, he's not a premier player by any means, but like guys are kind of dropping like flies a little bit around there. It's it's Derek Carr and the Devontae Adams show for now. Yeah, it's crazy that we actually have to talk about a game this week, that all these Colts moves and all this drama that we've had this week. Oh, yeah, the Colts still play a football game. And and like you said, if Jeff Saturday can provide just enough spark for this offense to, to not look like they're moving in cement, they have a good chance to win this one against a team that is also uh, kind of reeling so far this season. That's all we have for now on Locked Home Colts. Make sure you check us out after the game on Sunday while we break down everything that happened in this game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Check us out every Monday through Friday. It's freely available wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And Mike McCarthy facing his former team as the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers face off in a matchup of perennial NFC powers Headed in different directions this year. Locked on Cowboys host Landon McCool has the keys to a Cowboys victory. The Cowboys come into this weekend's match against Green Bay riding high at 6-2 just underneath the Eagles in the NFC for the playoff picture. So why does it feel like they're the ones who need to exercise some demons this weekend? For the Cowboys to beat the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay, they have got to slay the dragon. Aaron Rodgers has been an absolute menace for this team of recent years. He has caused playoff exits and heartbreak for Cowboys fans for almost the entirety of his career, save an exception where Dak was able to go up to Green Bay his rookie year and win a big ball game, which was a big turning point in his career. So this weekend, despite the fact that the Cowboys come off of a bye, come off as healthy as they've been, and the Green Bay Packers are limping into this game with a slew of new injuries to some key players, another loss, and an offense that looks completely disjointed from its quarterback. 
Why does it feel like the Cowboys are facing the uphill battle? It all comes down to Aaron Rodgers and the history that he has with this team. The Cowboys are going to have to find a way to slow him down and stop him, much like a lot of teams already have this year. But if you think that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to give his best shot to the Cowboys on a, in a prime game during uh, during which it could be the last stand for their playoff chances this year, uh, you might be in for a terrible surprise Sunday afternoon. For more on the Cowboys, make sure you check out the Locked On Cowboys podcast. And for all your NFL or sports needs in general, check out the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And finally, your team might be struggling right now, but are they playing with the right number of people on the court? The Minnesota Timberwolves had this problem in a loss to the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday. In the second quarter, Minnesota had just four players on the court during a Suns possession that ended in a three for Phoenix. Torian Prince checked out before a free throw by Jalen Noel and D'Angelo Russell set to check in. Prince left the court. Russell did not come in onto the court until the possession was nearly over. A little bit of lack of focus there. I don't know if he was zoning out, but that's pretty much an understatement for the Timberwolves as they got to figure this out. Thank you for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make that your second listen. Coming up on Monday's show with 10 weeks down, who is the favorite at this point to win the Super Bowl? At least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.